Subway Restaurants invites you to make every day different with the sub of the day. Every day, it's a different foot-long sub for just $6. Try the sweet onion chicken teriyaki on Monday, the oven-roasted chicken on Tuesday, turkey breast on Wednesday, and many more. Prepare it on your choice of freshly baked bread with any veggies you want. It's a different foot-long sub of the day each day for just $6, only at Subway Restaurants. Participation may vary. Additional charges for extras and deluxe, plus tax where applicable, may not be combined with other offers, coupons, or discount cards. This episode of Motherhood in Hollywood is sponsored by Kinsa, the world's smartest thermometer. When my daughter Channing isn't feeling well, Kinsa is the only thermometer I trust. It remembers temperature, symptoms, and medications, so I don't miss a beat. Find it at KinsaHealth.com, the world's smartest thermometer. Come on, Mama! Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm Heather Brooker, and I am 100% on the mend. Get out of here, January diseases. (sighs) Finally. Feeling better, breathing better exercising more it's all gravy it's all good hey before we get to did i just go hey i just totally had like a fonzie moment for a second anyway if you guys can please if you haven't already subscribed to motherhood in hollywood on itunes take a moment and do that for me i would appreciate you that way i know how many of you guys are out there and listening to my show also you can find motherhood in hollywood on facebook if you haven't liked my page there yet please do so because i post lots of silly articles and fun things and uh try to keep it somewhat entertaining but not be obnoxious because you know there's some pages that are like every five seconds posting stuff um i try not to be that guy but you know whatever we all go through phases we all have our issues so please take a minute and go like motherhood in hollywood on facebook and instagram and follow me on twitter at mih podcast all right all that's over with great guest on the show today it is stuart st john and this is really cool because i've always been fascinated with what stuart does stuart works as a writer director composer and voiceover actor in animation and he's going to talk to us today about his brand new audiobook series which uh, where he's created a young girl named Tara Tremendous and it is really a wonderful story it's very lively very fun for anybody who has kids uh, you definitely want to check it out you can find it on iTunes and on WonkyBot his uh, studio we'll, we'll tell you a little bit more about that but I really wanted to talk to him about the world of animation, because I'm fascinated with it. I'm a big fan of Family Guy and Seth MacFarlane, but also, especially now that I have a two and a half year old, almost three year old, who is really into cartoons. And it's interesting to watch what she's gravitating towards in terms of cartoons. Like right now, she's all about the Lion Guard and PJ Masks and Peppa Pig. Those are big uh, animated series that in our house right now. But it's fascinating to me to, to know like what goes on behind the scenes and how they're created, who's composing the music, how it's all put together. And Stuart has some really great insights on that. He's worked on uh, the Sabrina, the, let me make sure I say this correctly, Sabrina, the animated series, also uh, Power Rangers Zeo, uh, he, uh, and Mighty Morphin's Power Rangers, like just a ton of animated shows that you would be familiar with, with, uh, he's worked with Disney before, and now he's created his own 
company called WonkyBot. So definitely listen up if you're interested at all in anything like that. Even if you're not, listen anyway, jerks. Just don't tune out. That's the most important thing. So what's been happening in my world this week? Well, I had like, in terms of like actory stuff, some pretty fun things happening. And I'll, I'll announce that actually more next week uh, on the show because I'll be able to talk about it a little bit more. So it's been a great actory week. And as far as like my MIH 15 by 15, I'm, you know, I have, I'm weak. I'm weak. You guys, I'm not a strong person when it comes to what to eat and what not to eat. Food is my biggest challenge. Working out is, seems to come a little easier for me. I don't say easy because it's not super easy, but I love to work out. I love to exercise. I like how it makes me feel but then I justify in my mind why I'm making s'mores at 11 o'clock at night because I went to the gym earlier in the day. And I know somewhere in there that's a really messed up way to look at your diet and why you're doing that. Uh, but I'm hungry a lot of the time. Or at least, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm not hungry. Maybe it's just in my mind that I'm hungry and I'm really not So it's a struggle. The struggle is real, as they say. So I'm working really hard to stick with my MIH 15 by 15. I have some fun workout programs that I'm checking out like next uh, or this week, I guess, when this episode airs, I'm going to be going fencing. How cool is that? What a great workout that would be. And also you get to learn a skill on top of it. See, that's the kind of stuff I want to do is I, I don't want to just go and like, you know, step up and down in an aerobics class. I want to like learn something or compete in something or, you know, I don't know. I'm open to whatever. I'm excited. It's a fun challenge. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I've already lost three pounds so far. I forgot that. I should have led with that. Woo woo. Yeah. I'm on my way to being an average size. (laughs) Uh, what else? I think that's about it. That's all I want to jibber jabber about for today. I love you guys. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for all your texts and your messages and posts. It means the world to me. I know you're there and I love you. That's all the exciting things happening in my world. Uh Uh-oh, someone's coming in. (gasps) Hi. You want to come say hi? No? No, she's leaving? Okay. (laughs) Okay. I just got a drive-by toddler. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, I actually record my show. And I'm also a stay-at-home mom, so I get... (laughs) I try to come in and record my show during play breaks with my kid. Bye. There she goes again. Okay, bye. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let you go and go find out what she's doing because Channing is being very silly right now. And I will uh, let you listen out to my wonderful interview with Stuart St. John. Enjoy. What a treat we have for you on the show today. My guest is Stuart St. John. Hi, Stuart. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Now, you have created something pretty fantastic. A little girl. <laughs> I don't want to say you've created a little girl. <laughs> you have. Well, be, yeah. Not yet I mean, that I know of. <laughs> listen, I brought you here today to tell you something. No. Um, shocker. <laughs> you that would have, really be a shocker. <laughs> I know, right? It suddenly turned into Maury Povich. Right. Um, you have you created alive. this adorable little Terra Tremendous. And I I listened to it the other day, and it's an audiobook series, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about Tara. Where did these this idea come from? Well, um, it really started when I, you know when I was growing up, I 
drew and created a lot of comic book characters and then tried to sell those little comic books to my own family. So there was that entrepreneurial part of me, I guess, that was like at six and seven years old. And there was a character um, named Tremendous Man that I came up with. And there was another character named Mighty Girl. And I had like an ongoing series for several years. And so when I guess cut to today and I've done a lot of stuff and created and written a lot of, um, you know, TV shows and stuff. And I was thinking about those characters and I, and, and a song actually started coming into my head. And when it was downloading in my, in my brain, I was like, this is, this is Tara Tremendous. You know, this is, this is this girl that's coming back in. Mm -hmm. So, um, I got excited and I, I ran home and I laid down out the melody line and, um, and that's really where everything started. Okay. So it literally came in as a song. And then the story started building around that, you know, who she was. She was this eight-year-old little girl who um, accidentally inherits the powers of every superhero on Earth, on the planet. So she has to figure out, you know, what those powers are and how she summons them and and the fact that it was an accidental situation that was driven by the villain of the series, Dr. Epic, I thought was sort of tragic and ironic. So I thought it was kind of cool. Um, now, you, this is not the first series uh, or animated series that you've worked on. You've actually worked on several. And I say animated series. I should say mm -hmm. I've seen the animated picture of her. So in my mind, I'm seeing an animated series. But it's actually an audio story, right? Yeah, we started it as an audio story just to sort of um, test the waters. And it was launched as the first product series from my company, WonkyBot Studios. So it was a way for us, you know, with technology the way that it is today and you can do so much, um, I wanted to kind of get it out there and, and get a reaction and start building the story before we started pitching it around as, as an animated series, which is what we will be doing. Okay, yeah, that was my next question. So is that ultimately the goal? And right now it's just sort of like getting people familiar with her and, and the character and the story? Exactly. And that's what I love about, you know, just online, you're able to get it out, get something out and have people, you know, it's almost like a, uh, not a test market, but just like get people familiar with the character, with the mm -hmm. brand and with the songs. And that's the, um, the ultimate goal is to uh, launch it as uh, an animated series. And um, uh, my musical uh, collaborator, Michael Plahuda, and I are working on a musical version um, to set it up, you know, on stage as well, because yeah. we love all the music. Yeah, so we're excited. Now, you actually did voice, um, not all of the characters, right? But several of them? I know you're, doc you're Dr. Epic. Yes, I am Dr. Epic. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a, that is so much fun for me just to, you know, to play. Well, my sisters actually say, well, you are Dr. Epic. Yeah, the voice is reminding them of stuff when I was, you know, when we were young, I would, I would scare them, I guess. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I get to play Dr. Epic. And then there are occasional characters that might come in that I'll, you know, do different um, voice parts for, which is really fun. And then... Um you also composed as well. Is that right? Or did you, you, I said you, or you just said you had a co-composer or. Yeah, I, I am a composer. I'm, I'm a member of the recording Academy. Um, yeah, I, I release solo music, uh, separately from all of this. And so 
I will come up with the um, the melody lines and you know for the songs, and then I have an arranger for that. But then Michael and I co-score all of the instrumental music because these storybooks are not just like you know a, a narrated story; it's actually a full orchestral score. Yeah. Because you know he and I love it so much, so he and I get together and. Um, you know, we just talk about musical ideas and he absorbs it and then comes back to me with like, you know, beautiful pieces that are built around something I may be humming because I hear something. So it's kind of interesting because we're both composers mm -hmm. and I don't know how rare this is, but it seems rare that you know, you've got two composers working on something together, but it's such a beautiful relationship, co-creative relationship that I've never experienced before. And I think the music that's coming out of it speaks for itself. So it's, it's just an awesome process all the way around. Um, now, I want to take just a second and let my listeners hear a little clip from uh, Terra Tremendous. This is a song featuring Dr. Epic. It's called So Close. So everybody hears So Close from Terra Tremendous. So close, but yet I cannot see. So close, it's in my grasp right here. And then it's like it disappears. Ideas and inventions and great plans and greater schemes. They swirl and whirl around my mind like wild, chaotic little Okay, so that song has such a very specific mood and feeling, and you really hear the orchestra um, in the background, like what you were talking about. Um, how, what's it like to like come up with ideas? Because, you know, I feel like I have ideas for songs all the time because I'm constantly mm -hmm. singing to my daughter little, you know, <laughs> made up songs that I sing and like bedtime songs that I've made up for her. But I can't imagine what that would be like to create music. I'm fascinated with musicians and composers. I think it's such a gift. I love it. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't feel responsible for it. I feel like it's coming, like you, you connect to something, you know, source energy, whatever you want to call it. And you, and you know, Michael and I have talked about this over and over just about the process. Like you go someplace and you let this come through and, you know, I'll be in the shower and I'll come up with these different melodies and, you know, kind of the, the intensity of, of like so close and I'll immediately record it on my voice recorder on my phone. And then... In the shower? Yes. It's just the... <laughs> I know, right? What kind of show is this? <laughs> you have I some mean, very high-tech recording equipment in your shower, Stuart. Yeah, and right. I want to know what's going on over there. <laughs> These are my little secrets. I'm giving them away. I know. Um, but what happens is I'll get a song like in the shower. And then I have to keep humming it to myself. And yeah. then the words start coming. And then I have to get out and record it. And, or I'm on a walk and I record it. And then... Michael and I will sit and we'll really like dissect the feeling of it, the intensity and, you know, what scale is it in and you know, how dark is it if it's Dr. Epic. And, um, and then we, it just starts forming. It's like, you know, it just starts coming together and the more and more excited, you know, we both get when we start hearing pieces, but it's really like this detached you know, we'll go outside and we'll talk and we'll come back in and listen what we just laid down. And it's like, oh, my God, did we just do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's really See, cool. That is fascinating to me because I feel like musicians and artists um, see things differently and they hear things in the world differently. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, what was it? There was I don't know if it was a kid's cartoon I was watching, but they hear in color. Um I can't remember, but it was a very strong visual of a cartoon or a show I was watching or something. And this child was hearing things in colors. And um, I just thought that's so unique and different. And I just imagine that that's what a lot of musicians 
feel and hear mm-hmm. when they hear something or they have a tune in their mind or they have lyrics and you know i always wonder do you feel like it's um the lyrics should come first uh or, or you're writing more towards like for me since i'm more of a writer i would write out like a poem a story or something and then try to put it to a song but do you think that it usually goes the other way around or i i think from my experience yes i think i think the melody line starts coming into my head and then the words because i'm a writer as well so the words start bouncing around on top of the melody line i i've told people before in interviews that i feel like music is almost sentient like it it's coming through and it and it feels um it feels like a language mm-hmm. and then there are certain words as a writer that i know will fit will be kind of a uh, complement to that language and that's sort of the genesis of how it works for me. Um, and I know everybody's different, but that's sort of my process. Yeah, no. And I, and I understand that too. I get, it's just, everybody's different perspectives and their <laughs> unique gifts. And, um, you're, since you said that you are also a writer, did you find yourself fleshing out the story of Terra Tremendous first and then going back in and adding the music or was it all sort of happening at the same time? It was simultaneous. It was sort of um, the music. The music was coming at the same time the story was downloading. So it was really this cool, beautiful expansion of both things, um, and that's what drew me to wanting to do the project from the beginning because I wanted to, you know, have the music experience, but I also wanted to be able to do the writing experience, like the storytelling part of it. So. Um, you know, I, I'm I, in my future, I would love to do like a, a full Disney animated feature where we're doing the music and the story. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of the, I guess, preamble to doing something like that, like just getting those, you know, that creative flow going. Now, so, you actually have a lot of connections at Disney, right? Because you did you was it you used to work there or you still work there or? Uh, I was a freelance. I, I did um, quite a few like Disney Channel movies. I've sold um, several scripts to to Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the movie Seventeen again um, a couple nice. years back, mm-hmm. uh, which was really fun. And so I Sabrina, that's in my wheelhouse. Hello. Yes, Sabrina. <laughs> that was such a fun show to do. Yeah, you know, cute. it was just like again, a, you know, a girl character, and I like. I guess growing up with sisters, mm-hmm. that um, I, I love like empowered girls. And have always been drawn to like writing stuff like that. See, that's so unusual, I find, um, because so many things in Hollywood now, you know, I think animation is is slowly getting, you know, into the girl train. Um, but, you know, as far as like, um, uh, oh, God, I just forgot the word live action <laughs> right <laughs> there it is literally my brain just fell out and you got to see me pick it back up off the floor and put it i in saw my... that yeah um okay um the live action shows don't really you know your sitcoms and all that stuff there are not a lot of like female centric you know shows like that so I, know. I love it when i see like you know your sophia the first um my daughter because i have a daughter and she loves sophia she knows she really loves this peppa Ooh. pig Really? Peppa Pig is rules That's our house. Crazy. She yeah. calls me Mommy Pig. She calls Daddy Daddy Pig. And um from like an animation standpoint, it's not very great animation. Like I know I know what you mean. It's, <laughs> it's but there's something endearing about the characters, yes. you know, the people are just the kids are drawn to it. I love yes. it. 
there I think that she loves that Peppa is um asks so many questions and uh-huh. she seems she did everything is just so simple and there's nothing like complex and she um everybody giggles a lot my daughter she'll just giggle right with them she's obsessed with them it's weird how old is your daughter she's two and a half she's two and a, oh my yeah, gosh she's two and a half and um yeah it's animation in in general um i feel like it's changed so much because mm-hmm. when i was growing up it was the hanna barbera i'm gonna date myself but it was the hanna barbera looney tunes you know um that style of animation but it's all computerized now and it mm-hmm. looks different to me. I'm mean, getting used to it. Like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse uh, took some time for me to get, that's another thing she loves. Um, mm. Why, what is it about the animation style that's changed? Is it just the computers that are making it a little easier? And um, I think so. I think, you know, I, I, I go back and forth too, cause I like the old school, mm-hmm. um, but I do love some of the new ways that they're doing animation. Um, it just depends for me. It depends on the project. You know, like the project dictates, I think, what it should look like. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's been quite a few, quite a few changes. The kids today don't, you know, they, they don't know any different. Yeah, no, That's, it's true. Like she'll, she won't, she'll watch like the Fox and the Hound, like classic mm-hmm. stuff or, and uh, Little Mermaid and things like that. But um, it, she's still too little for me to really be like, you know, do you like this animation style? <laughs> you can interview like, her. What are you talking about? Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse are my best friends. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> right. about. They're not animated. They're real. Um, <laughs> they're real. They're real. What they, are you trying to tell me? They're in my room right now. Um, I remember we That's first went cute. to Disneyland and I was like, we're going to go see where Mickey and Minnie live. And she looks at me like, uh, they live here. I don't. <laughs> What are they doing here? What are the, yeah. And she like literally goes and gets Minnie Mouse and she goes, Minnie Mouse lives here. And I was like, oh, you don't know. <laughs> That's so cute. Um, I love it. So she, her mind was blown a little bit when she saw Minnie Mouse outside of her house. Um, so at two and a half, she's, so I'm always asking parents and, you know, about their kids and what mm-hmm. they're watching. Cause I'm just so fascinated. So at two and a half, she's into Peppa and she loves Sophia. She is into Peppa. I would say she likes Sophia. It's not her favorite, but she loves Peppa and she loves um, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And what's mm-hmm. the other one she really is into? We like Daniel Tiger a lot. Mm-hmm. There's something really sweet about Daniel Tiger. It's just, um, I don't know. He's just so like kind little boy, and he but he gets frustrated and he t- always talks it out with mom and dad. Like he's mm-hmm. just this great little tiger. Um and uh, Daniel Tiger and George, Curious George, those are big now, ones. In our is she is she drawn to the any music elements to like you know Sophia has songs in it. I just wonder mm-hmm. is that part of like do is that she, something that she loves? She does the hot dog dance. Uh, okay. She definitely we do the hot dog dance a few times a day. Um, and she's always wanting me like the the like Peppa doesn't really have a lot of music in it, but um, she always wants me to sing a Peppa song. So I think she wants to, she likes Peppa, but there's no music. So she wants there to be music. So Mm -hmm. she's, she's developing that interest and that, um, draw to it. So, um, we make up little Peppa pig songs, but, um, yeah, I think she's, she, uh, is very fickle. Oh, Nemo. She does love Nemo. I forgot about Mm. Nemo. 
Something about that fish. Everyone loves Nemo. She carries that fish everywhere. She wanted she, we, she wanted to be Nemo for Halloween, so we bought her a Nemo costume. And it's just so funny to me what she's interested in. And I'm like, oh, fish, really? All right. Um, <laughs> right? Fish and pigs, that's what we do. Uh, but yeah, I, I think as she gets older, the music element will be um, a bigger part of what she's right. drawn to because she's just sort of discovering that she can dance around and you know, and sing along to things. And um, so it's kind of fun watching that side of her develop for sure. Well, I was pitching something to PBS Kids um, that's still ongoing, but they were talking about how, you know, music is now such an integral part, necessary part of an animation project, which is right up my alley. And I was thrilled to hear. So that's why I was wondering if, you know, at what age that really starts kicking in where they're drawn to to the songs and, you know. I would say, like, for us anyway, it's happening, like, right now. Like, it's mm-hmm. she's she's starting to want to sing more and dance more. And um, she's learning the words to songs and, and that sort of thing. So um, cool. And what um, – did I see that you worked on Power Rangers? Oh, my goodness. Yes. As a 19-year-old boy. What? I, oh, my yeah, God. I, that's so I know. cool. It, it How was did that crazy. Happen? Well, I started uh, – I kind of started by slipping a script under the door at Hanna-Barbera and I got this contract to write animation. So I got to work with Joe Barbera at the very end of his career. Oh, wow. right? And I was still in school and in college. And so I got an agent out of that situation. And then they said, um, they called me one day and said, Hey, there's this, you know, casting call for, for writers over on this. It's not even developed yet. There's a concept. And so I went in, had an interview, did a sample like spec and it was live action. So that really appealed to me because that's what I came to L.A. to do is like live action stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a call and the next thing I know I was I was head writer on that story editor on that show. And I written like I ended up writing like 50 episodes of the wow. first um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and it was so weird to, you know, I came up with the catchphrase, it's more phenomenal. And <laughs> I remember like tight, you know, writing my scripts and hearing kids in the apartment next door, like reciting some of the lines. Saying it back to you. Wow, yes. what a meta moment. It was like, crazy. That's so cool. Hey friends, I want to take a second to tell you a little more about Kinsa, the world's smartest thermometer. It really is the number one tool for mom's peace of mind. I'll tell you, we've used it many times over the last few months and it's come in super handy. So what does it do? Well, I'll tell you, it remembers temperature, symptoms, medications, and the best part, you guys, it gives guidance on what to do next. Brilliant! Make sure you go to KinsaHealth.com and check it out. Kinsa, the world's smartest thermometer. Yeah, so that was really fun, and I did that for a couple of years, and um, never expected to get into at the time, you know, uh, children's or family entertainment at that time. Yeah, I was gonna say, did that just sort of um, was it just kind of what you fell into, or was there a goal there to do kids' cartoons? And of course, I can't. We can't. We don't call them cartoons, right? No, 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 no. Animated series. <laughs> I made that mistake at. Um, the um, L.A. It wasn't Comic Con. What was that thing they did in L.A. last fall? It was um, Stanley's big. Oh yes, uh, Kamikaze. Yes. So I was going around and I was actually in Artist Row, like meeting some of the artists. 
And the guy who created the oblongs was there. And I was like, oh my God, this is one of my favorite cartoons. I love it. It's so unusual and weird. And he was like, it's not a cartoon. <laughs> and I was like, oh, sorry. Your animated series. I apologize. That's hilarious. But what, when did that change? Like, why can't we, why do we not say cartoon anymore? I don't know. I don't seem know. Like it's, it's just... does, does it seem like it's belittling of the, of the art form? I think it's like, you know, stewardess to flight attendant. Yeah. I, I don't know. At some point it just changed. And it's more it's more respectable and, and more serious. Yeah, you know, that's true. but yeah, I guess. But they can, you know, it's a Did, cartoon. I was going to say it's a cartoon, <laughs> but it's like some of them really like are animated series. Like there, yeah. there's, you know, um, what are your thoughts on Family Guy and that that type of that style of animated series? Insane, insane. It's, I mean, there's that side of me that really, you know, likes what that show, you know, Seth pushing the boundaries of yeah. everything. And I, and I get it and using animation, it's sort of an updated, you know, Flintstones, mm-hmm. what uh, Joe was doing back in the day. So I get it. It's, it's funny. I just, you know, I wouldn't have my kids watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so I shouldn't age, be maybe. letting my daughter watch it. Oh, okay. are you Heather? <laughs> what? Sometimes it's on, but then sometimes I'm like, uh, maybe she's I not think it goes attention. over their heads, right? Yeah, I don't think at, at this level she's really paying attention. But sometimes when she stops and watches it, then I'm like, eh, I gotta change it. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, there is a big in the last like mm, I don't know, maybe ten years, maybe longer, but a big movement towards adult animated series, like uh, shows that are geared more towards adults, like your King of the Hill. Beavis and Butthead, you know, maybe that would, well, Beavis and Butthead was longer than 10 years ago. Um, yeah. What do you, I, why do you think that is? I, I think that, you know, the kids grow up and they still love animation. Yeah. And I think it's another way to connect with that group of people, mm-hmm. you know, that, that love animation. And, but now you see like adult sense of humor. Um, I happen to, I really do. I like that. I, I think it's, it's cool because it's another expression of the medium. And what about, um, do you think The Simpsons is, is going to go another 20 or are we going to see the end of it? Because I've honestly, I've never been a big Simpsons fan, but my husband is, you know, like that's, I think it may, it's maybe more guys. I don't, I'm going to go out on a limb there and say it might be more guy oriented, but have they run, have they done all the stories they can do? I think so. I can't believe it's still on the air. Yeah. I mean, I I was a big Simpsons fan when it started. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, at some point it just felt like it was recycling stories. Right, and exactly. It wasn't growing. And, and now I just think it's just a staple. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's ever going to go off the air at this point. But those guys are those guys are pretty funny. And it changes, you know, like when you get new writing teams on a show, then they find fresh new life. Mm-hmm. And it goes for another year or two. And then you know, the same cycle continues, but God bless all those guys and, and what they're doing. I think it's crazy good. Now, do you prefer to write with a team of writers or do you prefer just sort of taking the reins yourself? I mean, I guess at some point you have to have other people come and help you because that's a lot of work. Yeah. I think when you get like a, like with a series, you, you know, you, you definitely need a team of writers to come in and, and it's really fun to kind of bounce ideas off of each other. Um, for something like Tara, this is at this stage, it's, you know, much more personal. It's, um, it's really, you know, my opportunity to kind of infuse it with everything that's in my head. Mm-hmm. But I see the growth that if we got on television, uh, then we would have, you know, there's a, there's a blueprint already in place. Yeah. And then you kind of like build off of that with other, um, 
other people, which would be fun. Do you think that that makes it more appealing for networks who might be looking to, to buy it and take it to series? Do you think that that makes it more appealing that it's, you've already done all the legwork in terms of like creating the characters, marketing it, getting, helping get the word out there a little bit. Do you think that will help in the selling process? Heather, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> if I had that answer, I, I, you know, I see both sides of it because I've been on the executive side before mm-hmm. and where, where I've gone in and, you know, they want their hands on something completely quote unquote clean yeah, and that they can help shape it. And then I've, I've read and heard experiences where God, you've built this sort of community and this is cool and we want to tap into it. So I guess it be, it's all about how popular it becomes. You know, I did a show, um, a few years ago and the producers were taping. It was, it was a kid show. It was aimed mm-hmm. towards kids and it was kind of a fun musical, uh, Nickelodeon kind of feel to it. And the producer was filming, using all of his money and funding uh, to film all 13 episodes that he was then planning to package and sell to, like a Nickelodeon, a Sprout, you know, Uh whatever. And um, I just wondered, first of all, I thought, well, that's a really good idea. Like, you've already got it. Why wouldn't a network just, you know, here's a couple million, we'll take the whole thing. Uh But then I remember like what you just said, sometimes networks want to go in and they want to fiddle with the character here. They don't like that, you know, she's wearing high heels. They want her to be wearing sneakers. So they want to kind of have their hands in it a little bit. And he never sold his Uh 13 episodes. Uh So um, that's rough. That's rough. Yeah. It just made me wonder because I actually thought that's a really great idea. Uh, and I'm always fascinated to see what the studios will are into and um, what well, they'll I, pass on. I think that we're getting to a point and that's, you know, I'm kind of in between. I, I mean, I'm looking at WonkyBot Studios as this um, distribution as well, this distribution medium, because everything has changed so much where mm-hmm. you can... You can produce your own show, you can produce your own books, your own audio storybooks, animation, DVDs. And if you build a strong enough community, it can become self-sustaining. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, it's just, you know, so much easier to go the route of, you know, selling your show to Disney mm-hmm. or Netflix. And would so, you give uh, up control if you did that or would you want to, would you sell never. it only as like executive producer and like it's still your baby? I would, I, I'm really attached to Tara. I would have to be involved. Okay. Um, cause I do, I, you know, I create so many things. I mean, I've got so much going on and I feel like, okay, so I've got 10 projects that I can sell that I don't have that kind of attachment to. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a project like Tara, which I'm really attached to. Okay. And, uh, you know, musically and, and story wise and everything that I would want to continue to follow it. Um, as it develops, you know, whether we go to Netflix, I mean, that's, you know, Netflix is buying a lot of, um, kids animation projects. So we're, um, we're angling to go over there as well. That's a great idea. Yeah. You know what? Like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, like everybody, it's the game is now like wide open. It's as wide open as it has ever been in terms of like getting your content out there. And it's um, so true. You had to even think about that for you. Hmm, I'm glad we could come to this agreement together, Stuart, um, that you should also take a look at Netflix. <laughs> this is like therapy. <laughs> right? Let me help you. I'll just give you some career guidance. Well, as an actress, are you seeing like yourself going for, I mean, having more opportunities with more 
um, distribution center, you know, like like Amazon, like With shows um, that are on shows um, that are yeah. on Netflix. And no, stuff. definitely. I um, and like IFC, you know, right. networks that you're like, what is this? They're all getting into um, scripted shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. A, a lot of my auditions last year were for Amazon, Netflix um, and Hulu shows. Like I, I was on an Amazon show called Hand of God. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out last September. Um, and, um, yeah, like I have to go back in and look and see what else, but definitely like it's, mm-hmm. it's at least for me as like a character actress, it certainly opened up a lot of doors and a lot imagine. more opportunities. Um, I'm not just reliant on the three big networks and HBO, you know? So yeah. it's, <laughs> it's nice. It's, it's nice for me for sure. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a whole new world, I think. And I think the networks, you know, know it, they mm-hmm. realize it and it's just ups everybody's game. Yeah. They're scrambling, yeah, they I think a little bit to get content that rivals it a little bit or can at least, um, keep their viewership. Right. What I really want to do is voiceover, Stuart. How do you I do, do? that? <laughs> How do I get I don't... that is, that is one of the thing, the areas of this business that I'm consistently amazed by because it seems like everybody is into mm-hmm. voiceover, but not everybody should be. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's so true. That's so true. It's well, like you, you can know. speak, but that doesn't mean that you should voice characters. Like your characters in Terra Tremendous are are great. Like your your Doctor Epic is very clear, and your narration of the story is is wonderful. But you've also been doing this a long time, right? Right. And that's what I, I look for because I, I also voice direct. I've done, you know, quite a bit of uh, foreign to English dub movies like for Weinstein and 20th Century in between everything else. And I'll have voice over actors come in and I can tell, you know, within seconds if they have the right. It's about tone. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, just acting ability. Um, there's something about a believable voice and an unbelievable voice. I can't explain it. It's just like in my ear. Yeah. If, so versus like somebody who's like affecting a wackadoo character. Right. Like, or that's coming in and is that character. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, it, it, there's so many variables when you're, um, casting for, for a voice, but I, I love it. I haven't done, you know, before this, I would do occasional voices in those projects mm-hmm. when when needed. Um, and this was the first time that I've really gone for it with like the Dr. Epic character, but I can hear it in my head and it's, you know, I'm obviously writing it. So, right. so it works for this. And I'm, I'm excited about the whole voiceover um, acting as well. I, I, and, and there's a lot to be done out there. Is that if, something you, know, you want to continue to do then? Is your, own, uh, is your own voiceover work and continuing to voice your show? Or would I you pass it off to somebody else if it I, went to series? That's a great question. I um, I have to tell you, to be honest, I am having a fantastic time uh, playing this character. Oh, sure. And, and I think that I would, um, you know, if Disney was like, yes, we want to do Tara. And uh, you're going to have to audition for the role <gasps> oh of gosh. Dr. Epic. I'll be like, okay. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> uh, I, I want to do it. Well, you just write that into your deal. With that's them, right. Then. You just say, here's the deal. You'll give me $5 million and also <laughs> I'm I in charge Dr. and Epic. I'm Dr. That's Epic. right. <laughs> Let's see how much pull I have over there. Right. How? But we're, why mm-hmm. do you think – oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I was just going to say, why do you think voiceover is such a hard nut to crack? Because it seems like the there's the top echelon of voiceover artists in each different – 
area. You know, you got your commercial ones, uh, voiceovers, you've got your animation, you know, your books on tape. <laughs> and, right. um, but why do you think that's such a hard nut to crack? I don't know. I think it's a small, small community. And, you know, I think before it might have been a little bit easier, but now it seems like you have to have some cachet value, you know, before to get the role because there's so many people competing. Um, so like studios will go to the name versus the person who's, yeah. who's, who could really nail the part sometimes. Oh, you know? That is the story of this entire industry. Isn't it? That drives me crazy bananas. Like I it's, know. why would you pick the name over somebody who's nece- who's like best for the part? And I hate that that happens in voiceover too. It That's does. Bummer. It, it really does. And it's just, you know, it's just a reality. And so you have to, you you become the name, I guess. I don't know. Or you're doing your own thing and then become the name. I don't know. But it is, it it is a tough nut to crack and it's a really small um, community. You know, there's specific agents for that. I'm sure you know Mm -hmm. um, how that all works. But um, yeah. That's a whole, that's a whole nother side of the industry that I'm always, like I said, really fascinated by. Um, Because I don't know by name, unless we're talking about, you know, the family guy, you know, Seth MacFarlane obviously uh-huh. voices uh, a lot of the characters on that show and um, The Simpsons and that sort of thing. But I don't know a lot of the names of the voiceover artists. So to hear that they would get cast based on a name value is interesting to me because I doubt the general public is like, oh, that's so and so from such and such. I feel like now it's celebrities. Well, yeah, I think that celebrities for, you know, for like major films. Yeah. But in the, in, in like when I'm casting, uh, and voice directing, I will look for, you, you end up working with that same team of people. And I'm guilty of it myself because there's a second hand. It's like when I'm directing a, uh, a film uh-huh. or a show as a director, I like to work with the same people because you get, because there's so much pressure. And you once just want you want it to be right. Yeah. You want, you know, the actor, the actor, and you have, you know, the shorthand. Um, and you just know it's like a, it's like a team. And you can depend on that person and it just is faster than trying to figure out the new person yeah. and are they going to be able to rise to the challenge. So I've se- I, like I said, I've seen both sides of it. It's tough. Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, it is just the nature of this beast of this mm-hmm. industry. You know, it we is. love it, but it's it. There are sometimes it feels like insurmountable odds, whether <laughs> like I can't, you know, I, I get so frustrated when I go into an audition and I see like 15 people that look just like me. And I know, you know, a couple of them will bomb. A couple of them mm-hmm. will be just OK. And then there'll be a, one or two that are really great. And um, uh, and then I can so imagine how- also like pitching a show on top of it. Like you've mm-hmm. created this wonderful character a great story and beautiful music. And now you just have to be like, get the world on board, you know? And that's, that seems like a really Herculean task. It's tough. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, part of it is just like marketing and getting yeah. it out there and getting the attention of, uh, cause I'm working on the book version of Tara as well, mm-hmm. you know, to go to Scholastic and, and to do all this on, you know, we have a small team um, here and to do that is is crazy. I mean, it's just it's time consuming, but exciting. I mean, we have fun. Yeah. And I think in the end, you know, the music and the story and all that stuff starts speaking for itself and you you raise awareness little by little. Little by little. <laughs> we have something I wanted to mention that we have this. Um, I met this really awesome musician in my Grammy group that I belong to online. Uh, his name is Devin, 
And we started talking. And then I found out that he and his wife, Becky, have this music school, um, Stage Notes School of Music in Texas, which is really cool. And, you know, he just really wanted to be involved with us and was like, you know, really excited about what we were doing with Tara. And, and you know, and they have students in that are doing music and composing stuff. And so we were going back and forth. And then I was talking to Todd um, uh and we came up with a way to get kids inspired about making music by creating a contest. So we came up with this Dr. Epic's Epic Opportunity, which is this um, really cool way for kids to create music that Dr. Epic is considering using in his laboratory while he's making his plans of world domination. But he's looking for like a song to be playing in the background. So um, this was an example of WonkyBot really getting in there and getting kids ex- inspired because that's what we like to do, um, just inspire kids. And Devin was all for it. And so this month, the kids are actually starting to turn in their compositions and um, Dr. Epic will choose one um, and you know we'll incorporate them in videos and stuff. So it's really cool. It's really exciting. So we'll see how that goes. So much funding for those types of things have been cut from our schools. And, um, but yeah, to, to get them exposed to it in some way is, is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really exciting. So that really is as much, I mean, that really excites us internally when we see these little videos and hear about the kids doing stuff. So we want to expand that idea. Mm -hmm. Um, that was part of what I had pitched to PBS as another show that has an interactive component where we're inspiring kids. It's a it's a show about writing, actually, and the imagination. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so they have uh, one on reading. They do super why Channing yes. does love super why, um, but yeah, they that would be great to have one on writing as well. Yeah, I think you know it's kind of cool. Um, well, tell me quickly uh-huh. where everybody can find Terra Tremendous, how they can listen to it, and how they can help um, be a part of it and support you. Yes. Okay. It, you can find um, the Terra audio storybooks. There are three so far, episode one, episode two, episode three at wonkybot.com. And that's W-O-N-K-Y-B-O-T.com. And you can also find the episodes on iTunes. You can download them from Wonkybot. Um, and there's, you know, hats and all that kind of stuff, merch for Tara on there as well. But there's also, you get to see like the designs of the characters. You see her, her mom, Jennifer and her dad, Nick, who's a cop cool. and, um, Dr. Epic, of course, there's yes. like all kinds of fun stuff on there. And we're just building out that site. We do all the design of all of that in house as well. Um, so it's pretty exciting. That's where you can find it. Great. I love it. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how it continues to grow because like I said, I really enjoyed listening to it. I love the music. Um, You guys have all done such a wonderful job and I think it's going to do really well. I look forward to watching it on my TV uh, sometime in the future uh, with Channing. (laughs) You'll be the first to know. (laughs) Yes, please keep me posted on all your progress. And everybody, if you 
want more information about Stuart and WonkyBot, you can also go to motherhoodandhollywood.com and also make sure you're following me on Twitter at MIH Podcast uh, to keep up with all of the latest posts and latest happenings um, in the motherhood and Hollywood world. Stuart, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Heather. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your show. I think it's great and you're hilarious. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> you're a smart man, Stuart. Very well, smart. Sometimes. <laughs> All right, everybody, that's it for us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Mama funny. Balls. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything! Subway restaurants invite you to make every day different with the sub of the day. Every day, it's a different foot-long sub for just $6. Try the sweet onion chicken teriyaki on Monday, the oven-roasted chicken on Tuesday, turkey breast on Wednesday, and many more. Prepare it on your choice of freshly baked bread with any veggies you want. It's a different foot-long sub of the day each day for just $6, only at Subway restaurants. Participation may vary. Additional charges for extras and deluxe, plus tax where applicable, may not be combined with other offers, coupons, or discount cards.